You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join us every single Friday to get your questions answered and talk Suns with like-minded fans. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. It was everything that the playoffs are, you know, emotion, physical, um, players making plays, you know, late game situations. It, It was... It was all of that. It's just good to see it played out in front of everybody else. Um, I've seen, I think we talked about it in pregame, you know, how tight they are, how much they want to win and play for each other. And we saw that tonight. Like the schemes at times didn't always work. The plays didn't always work. But our guys just made plays for each other. Riding high after a huge win. On today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Brendan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation and Dime Magazine. But most importantly, you can follow our show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell me why the Suns are the best team in the Western Conference. I'm ready to say that after this win. The Suns double down after a jazz game that felt like the maybe NBA game of the season earlier in the year, uh, actually earlier in the month. They deliver again with another one, 128-127. to The Suns beat the Milwaukee Bucks, and uh, man, uh, we'll get into every single moment, sight and sound of this game in just a second. So All-Stars, another big man. This is a team that's very lopsided to the big, to the big men. If you're new to the show, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. We'll get to that to close out our show today, so stay tuned to find out what that All-Star team is all about. But yes, let's... Let's dive into the biggest stretch of the game. We don't always do this because not every game has one worth talking about. But when 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 DeAndre Ayton and Giannis Antetokounmpo get hurt in the fourth quarter, and that might not even be the biggest moment of the entire game, I think we have to dive right in. So let's do that. Going to do my best to relive each and every one of these moments. I'm already scrolling through this play-by-play to even know where to start, but I think this is the best place to do it. 7.22 left in the game. So remember, the Suns were down a significant amount heading into the fourth. Down seven, pretty much down nine because Teague scores on the first possession for Milwaukee. So by this point, uh, 7.22 left. The Suns are only down five, but momentum really on Milwaukee's side. I mean, uh, Giannis had an incredible third quarter, started getting involved off the ball offensively and really playing well. But that's a good lifting off point for us here because what happened to start this stretch off is that Giannis played, uh, made a mistake, played, played, uh, played things wrong. So he gets the ball on the post against DeAndre Ayton. And, uh, this really was a momentum shifter. He's posted up right at the basket, pivot, pivot has nothing there, gives the ball up. This clips by the, by the time the ball goes out of bounds and Giannis turns it over. I feel like the clip is already going around the entire internet um, with everybody giving kudos to Aiton, but that doesn't stop him. It's not content after that. Aiton gets the ball on the other side. Bobby Portis smacks at him uh, on the on the roll. Aiton catches it. Portis gets that foul. Aiton goes to the free throw line, makes both. Suns now down just three. 
Things go back and forth for a bit. We had a deep Chris Paul three that kept them alive. We, we definitely saw aggressive Chris Paul, similar to that Utah game. Uh, we saw a DeAndre Ayton two foot, uh, uh, sorry, eight foot two, two pointer. We're going, we're going, we're going. And then here's where things really, really change. Um, Chris Middleton, who would go, go on to become really like the hero for Milwaukee in this game, misses a three with three minutes or so to go. Ayton, who else, gets the rebound, kicks it out. And then Mikhail Bridges, 4-3, ties the game at 109. We keep going. Jay Crowder makes a very much needed three. He's only three of 10 from deep in this game, but somehow makes that one. You have DeAndre Ayton on the other side getting a layup to go in. The Suns slowly taking a lead here, 114 to 111. Let's fast forward, though, because really the next big moment of this game Devin Booker, with one minute and 18 seconds left, called for a shooting foul on a Chris Middleton drive to the basket. The Suns challenge it. That's important for two reasons. One, obviously you you want the, the call to change. It doesn't, though. Suns lose their timeout. That leaves the Suns with just one timeout with a minute 18 to go in a close game. That would come back to bite them because what happened next was Chris Middleton made both of those threes, bringing Milwaukee within a point. Then he made a three-pointer a moment later. As I said, really the hero of this game for Milwaukee. But here's how he's so open. The reason that Chris Middleton can make that three, become the hero, everything else, is DeAndre Ayton gets his arm basically ripped out of its socket. He's holding his left arm. They cough up the ball. Chris Paul has to take take a really, really bad-looking, almost turnaround three-pointer with 54 seconds left. So then Middleton gets that three, 42 seconds left. Aiton's just limping around the floor because, again, the Suns only have that one timeout. So Monty Williams does not call it. We're all just watching dumbfounded as Aiton's like, you know, half of a body out there running around the court, has nothing really to bring. He He's giving energy. I don't want to pretend like he's not. He's setting screens. He boxed out, everything else. But, you know, they're not going to get the ball to him. He's, he's really useless for a couple moments here. And yet Devin Booker on Chris or Chris Middleton's guarding him. He takes it right to him around the left elbow, makes a 14-footer to tie the game at 116. Things go back and forth. Again, Middleton misses a three. The Bucks go small. The Suns also go small with Cam Johnson in there for DeAndre Ayton. And then a very, very bizarre sideline play. And I don't have a great answer for it. Monty said that basically Drew Holiday, for a lot of these late-game plays that, that he was drawing up, was just refusing to give the switches. You know, you have guys setting screens for one another, anticipating that teams will sort of panic, give you the switch you want, and then you can take advantage of that mismatch. Suns had one and a half seconds left there, so they could have, you know, allowed Booker to dribble out a little bit. He does eventually get the ball and do that, but has to settle for a turnaround 31-footer, so we go to overtime. Actually, don't even think much was really worth discussing in overtime. The Suns just kind of took the lead and, and didn't really give it up, except... Of course, that Giannis Antetokounmpo is out of the game for a lot of it. He starts to cramp up with, uh, I believe, his left calf. He leaves the game pretty early on, four minutes and two seconds in overtime. And the Suns, from that point on, just just take control of the game, obviously go on to win. They only win by one. I don't want to you know, gloss over overtime, but it felt to me at least like the Suns had, for the most part, it in the bag until there was about... A minute left, and then Chris Middleton goes ahead and scores five points in that stretch. Mikhail Bridges hits another huge clutch three, and then Devin Booker 
in another sideline out of bounds situation, gets the ball, has a little more time to dribble, gets fouled by P.J. Tucker, and ultimately goes to the free throw line, miss, uh, makes the first one, and then misses the second one intentionally, giving the Suns uh, a humongous victory. Somehow now 4-1 and one over DeAndre Ayton's first three seasons against these Bucks. DeAndre Ayton just playing an incredible game, matched up against Giannis. Devin Booker coming through, getting actually a, deserves a lot of credit for getting into rhythm late in this game after a very inefficient night on his part. He still comes together in the end of the game, uh, finishes only 9 of 24 from the field, but makes that step back bucket at the end of regulation to send the game into overtime and then draws the foul at the end of uh, of overtime to get to the free throw line and win the game. So look, you're not going to hear me complain when Devin Booker ices the game, even if the beginning of it is pretty ugly. He played 44 minutes tonight, had seven assists to just one turnover, and he scored when they needed him to. So a uh, huge game from him and and coming through when it mattered in the clutch. The, the, the Bucks are going to be a tough matchup. Drew Holiday is no joke. He showed that. He blew up a lot of plays for the Suns. He played Booker physically. These strong guys like Holiday, those are the ones that always give Booker trouble. And so that's not unexpected, but to see him come through like that, to see DeAndre Ayton play two-way ball the entire night and just take it through that no-timeout decision by Monty and just keep hustling until he was able to get checked out. Chris Paul can't even get through this first segment without mentioning Chris Paul is now above Magic Johnson all-time on the NBA's assist board with fifth overall. He had 13 tonight, a near triple-double. So one of those games where everybody chips in and... A lot to dive into. So we'll get into more of the positives in the next segment. I want to tell you about the big takeaway that I have from this game, why it shows me that yet again, the Suns can be malleable and still come out on top. And I want to dig a little bit into why Dario Saric started this game and why he didn't finish it. We'll, we'll get into all of that in just a second. But first, a quick break to hear one more time from Locker Room. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room, which is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite squad or sport. We host game, we host rooms on Friday afternoons here on Locked on Suns. Me and Brandon are Monday co-hosts, which means you can finally join in on our conversation, ask questions, get feedback, talk sports with us, talk Suns with us. It's the perfect place, Locker Room, to start or join a conversation about the NBA. You'll find fans just like you, and you'll have a chance to chat with folks like me, as well as big names like Mark Stein, Bill Simmons. Who knows? You never know what you're going to find on Locker Room. You might even have a chance to be featured on Locked on Suns. So be sure to join us this week on Friday afternoon, where we'll be hosting a Locked on Suns Q&A. Again, go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Create a profile, link your Twitter account, join the NBA group, and follow me at BrendanClean14. That is all the best way to be notified when we go live. I know you won't want to miss it. Again, Friday afternoon, I can't wait to hear everyone's son's thoughts during this East Coast swing that will surely give us a ton to talk about. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's show also brought to you by Rock Auto. This summer, I know we all have a lot of plans. Travel, maybe you're going to make that purchase you've been waiting for. We all are looking forward to a more normal 2021, but the best thing you're going to need to do for that is to have some money 
in your pocket. You don't want to spend it on something as silly as car repairs. Rock Auto is here to help. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have a unique and easy to navigate catalog that has down to the most detailed specifications. You just click into your car, scroll through the products, something as maybe fancy as a fuel pump or as simple as indoor carpet for your rear or front passenger side. Best of all, really, more than anything, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low. They're the same for pros as they are for do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? You know if you walk into a chain store, you know if you walk into the dealership, they're going to nickel and dime you. They're going to you know, tell you one price and they're, they're really wanting to be haggled down almost, but you don't know what's right, you don't know what's wrong and you get screwed over. RockAuto.com doesn't do any of that. They charge you the same no matter what. They keep it low, and they keep it customizable based on your make and model. So go to RockAuto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. We're back, getting through more of the positives from tonight's game. Keep it right here later on as well for more on Mikhail Bridges. How the Suns dis- defended Giannis with Mikhail being a huge part of that. And why did Dar- Dario Scharch start this game? Why did we see Monty go to that big starting lineup? And why did it not last? We'll get into that in a second. But I wanted to hit on more of the positives from the show tonight, uh, from the game tonight, starting with the malleability. Because... Look, it's 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 a completely separate, if you look at these two huge wins from the Suns, two games that, in my opinion, really solidified that they can win in the playoffs. I talked after that Jazz game about how they need these reps. We don't know that the Suns can do it in the playoffs. We can't know for 100% certain that they are built and fit for the playoffs until we see it. That's just the reality. Like, you do have the, you know, 2011 Thunder that break through sooner than anyone expected, but you also have some teams that falter and and have some growing pains. So they need these reps to get the confidence and comfort for the playoffs where they don't get surprised by the intensity, the, the quickness, the competitiveness of these games. And that was my big takeaway from the Utah game. That that win, though, is entirely different than this one. And, and I mean stylistically, right? So it's huge to beat Utah. It's huge for the standings. It's huge... Uh, for your confidence, but it's a it's a matchup that I think the Suns uh, are, are well suited to take advantage of for for several reasons. I mean, one, you know, the the Jazz defend in a certain way that allows Paul and Booker to eat in the mid range. Utah doesn't really have somebody to defend Devin Booker. There's a lot of reasons, right? But this game, I think I think it kind of punctures a lot of the Suns' strengths in a way that to me makes this one more impressive. The Suns, uh, the Bucks do have somebody to defend Devin Booker. Drew Holiday is a, a really good option. Even Dante Vincenzo, even somebody like Pat Connaughton, those those physical guards with size who can just make things really tough and force Devin Booker to expend a lot of energy. Those are the guys he struggles with. The Bucks have three, but I mean, really, they have the best one maybe in the entire NBA and Drew Holiday. So they have that. They have the ability to size down with Bobby Portis, with P.J. Tucker now, and obviously Giannis as a really do-it-all sort of Swiss Army knife weapon on both ends of the floor. And, and that requires the Suns to really change things up. They have 
you know, multiple offensive options who can beat you where most nights the Suns can survive just putting bridges on somebody and uh, whoever's going to pose the most danger to the Suns and then really not have to worry about it. Well, you know, Milwaukee has Giannis, has Middleton and Holiday who all can create a shot for themselves. Well, what do you do there? You know, it's a really tough matchup. It makes this game all the more impressive, but most more than anything, it proves that the Suns can win in different ways, right? So this is not, that's what you worry about, I think, right? Like Utah, there's a lot of matchups that inherently scare you with Utah. It's not so much that I think Rudy Gobert is, is not going to be effective, but it's like, how much can you have him on the floor? How, how much can he be an impactful piece for you based on who you're playing? Even, you know, a, a great team like the Nets, like, I, I guess, you know, there's a certain reason to be scared if they play a dominant big man, if they, you know, go up against a Joel Embiid or a, a Nikola Jokic, what do they do? How do they defend well enough against interior scoring? You know, that type of thing. The Suns, are showing me that they don't have a hole necessarily. They don't have an obvious thing, right? Like, we'll we'll see when they play Brooklyn on Sunday. We'll see the next time they play the Clippers if those teams want to play things really aggressive. It'll be a nice test for the Suns again to compete against versatile small ball types of squads. But tonight showed us the Suns can still win that way. When Milwaukee went small, either with Giannis on the floor or in overtime when they didn't have him out there anymore and they had Tucker and Connaughton. Like, we saw DeAndre Ayton stay out there and 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 be fine and punish their switch. We, we saw D, uh, Ayton punish um, switches throughout this entire month, to be completely honest with you, right? We saw him do it against Sacramento. I, I gave him so many props that night for overcoming how Sacramento had really beaten the Suns in December and he closed the game with a couple of buckets in the post against smaller guys. So we're seeing this Suns team figure itself out and prove to itself and to the rest of the league that they can win almost without a question, no matter who the matchup is. I'm not saying they're going to win the finals or anything crazy like that. I'm saying that there's not a type of basketball that they can't play. We saw more Tory Craig small ball today with... Uh, him sort of as the nominal five. We saw Dario Saric start, which again, I'll get into a, a peculiar decision, one that Monty backed away from pretty quickly, but one that makes a lot of sense. You know, we can see DeAndre Ayton be the primary defender on an opposing playmaker, or you can see Mikael Bridges do it, right? So I think that's really what's so exciting. You can see the bench really be a major part in the game, or you can see the starters be the difference makers. So I think that's what it is. If, if this would feel very fluky to me with the Suns, if it was like they beat up on one type of team, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul eat in the mid range. So the Suns can only beat teams that drop their big man defensively and allow that shot to happen. Well, that's not really the case because the Bucks didn't really play that way in crunch time and in overtime, right? So we, we're seeing the Suns figure themselves out and that's Massive because in the playoffs, you're not only going to face game plans that are changing night to night in the same series, but you're going to have to play two, three, four different teams to get where you want to go. So seeing them do it against Utah, against the Clippers, against the Bucks, and adjust each time and still come out either competitive or having won the game is doing a lot for me at least to feel really competitive uh, that this Suns team can be really competitive. So uh, we'll get into more of the specifics. I want to start with 
Dario Saric. Not so much his six man of the year credentials, but uh, for those of you who are who are here normally for these shows, I, I like to look at that. Dario is fading there, but his game and his uh, performance tonight is really interesting to look at. Why did Monty want to go big? Why did he think that would work? I'll dig into it in just a second. But first, a quick word from our friends at betonline.ag, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. I told you guys the other day, I don't even have a new bet for you of the day here from BetOnline because I want you to hammer the Minnesota Lynx. Since I last gave you that one, they drafted Renaya Davis out of Tennessee, a wing defender who should help them even more. They are plus 500, if I'm remembering correctly, for the WNBA title. I don't think they'll win it, but they should not be that low. You see an injury break. You see their young players continue to develop, and anything can happen. BetOnline has you covered throughout the NBA and WNBA season with real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine. It's the best way to place a bet, and best of all, it is free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device, make an account today, and use the promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, use the promo code Locked On, make a first deposit at BetOnline, and get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We'll sift through more of the details of this game really quickly here, but I wanted to remind you guys, today through the 26th, listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from NFL experts Michael Irvin, Jason Lockenfora, and Brian Baldinger, our local experts for every team, make trades and pick the next stars for their teams, coupled with that expert analysis. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y Odyssey. All right, guys. Let's let's go through these pretty quickly here. I want to just say, with Dario Saric, so I don't think that this should rule out the Suns going to this option. Just in the same way, I'm giving Monty a tip of the hat here for having the courage to go really small with Torrey Craig more often than I expected he would. That's not something he ever wanted to do. Remember, even when DeAndre Ayton was suspended last year, we saw a ton of Aaron Baines, a ton of Frank Kaminsky. It's not a team, uh, a coaching staff that has ever really demonstrated that they wanted to do that. And now here we are with Craig. They have the comfort and they doing it. They're doing it on the opposite side too. I want to give the credit to Sharich uh, and and to the coaching staff for, for believing that he can do it. And I don't want to to advocate that they get rid of that look right away. So Dario was one of seven from the field, four turnovers, and an ugly game. I mean, there's no way around that. It was an ugly game, but we talked about this a lot when the Suns played the Pelicans. Remember that weird game where the Pelicans just really handed it to them on TNT, and then about a month later, Suns played the Pelicans again. DeAndre Ayton spent more time defending Zion Williamson. Suns beat the Pelicans, right? So... That was a topic of conversation during that game a lot, those those couple of games, because Sharich is an option where if you need to put Aiton on a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo, you can have Sharich out there to defend the, the nominal center, right? So in this case, Brooke Lopez. You, you don't want to leave him on an island because he can punish if you put a smaller defender on him or you don't pay attention to him behind the arc. You know, he's not an elite player. I think he is some of the shininess of Brook Lopez on the Bucks is is wearing away here, but you don't want to ignore him. And so Sharich gives you that, right? Same with Steven Adams with the Pelicans. So that was the thinking, and I, I think it's admirable that they tried it. And I think 
that it should not go away because if we see the Suns play, let's say the Nuggets, right, where, you know, Aaron Gordon's out there, you have Michael Porter Jr. to deal with, so much size on that Nuggets front line. Having Sharich be able to play with Aiton, even if it's in the starting lineup in a pinch, would not surprise me as an adjustment for the Suns. Not to mention the Lakers, right? Anthony Davis, they now have Drummond, they have Gasol, they have Harrell. You don't want to uh, rule out that you might have to play big. So it was cool to see Monty try it this time. The win helps, although Dario did not really contribute much to that. I wouldn't say let's stuff it away, though, by any means. So so let's let's keep an eye out there. I want to also get to the Facundo Campazzo all-star team. I mean, it's not even a new one, right? I actually might have put Brooke Lopez on this team the last time the Bucks played the team. You just cannot drop your defender against the Suns and, and expect to win a game. Brooke Lopez played 33 minutes tonight, and every single moment he was out there, if I'm remembering correctly, and I feel like we know how Brooke Lopez plays defense at this point, very rarely will he switch. You cannot have... 33 minutes of a defender that deep in the paint on the pick and roll while Chris Paul is is in the game and expect to win. The Suns are going to make you pay. It's not even just about Chris Paul scoring in that mid-range. He had 13 assists. Him and Aiton, I mean, if you think Aiton scoring 20 didn't have a lot to do with Chris Paul, you weren't paying attention, right? Mikhail Bridges, 5 of 7 from deep, including those two clutch threes in both regulation and overtime to keep the Suns in the game or put them up. Those happen because of the attention Chris Paul is able to generate in the pick and roll because of the silly way that teams continue to defend him. So he didn't make Brooke Lopez look ridiculous. He didn't cross him up. He didn't fall. You know, Brooke Lopez didn't fall on the ground with broken ankles, but you just can't do that. So Brooke Lopez gets installed here on the Facundo Campazzo all-star team, nicknamed for any of you who don't remember for those January contests where Paul just took Campazzo to town. So he has an honorary name. He lives on in our show. So that's a a little tidbit you get to be in on if you check out our post-game podcasts here on Locked on Suns. So Brooke Lopez is in there. Um, Mikhail Bridges, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. He has a an, uh, he, He's able to have an impact in this game without being the primary defender of Giannis. Now you can pick nits. You can say, okay, late in the game, Middleton was able to get free. First of all, the Suns were switching a lot, so I don't necessarily say that's all on Mikhail Bridges. But also, you see that when one part of his game is maybe limited or taking up a lot of his energy or whatever it is, like there's games where he has to exert so much on defense that he's not really needed on offense. And, you know, he could be a little more impactful there, but he knows he can have a quieter night there, right? On this game, you know, Aiton defending Giannis, Bridges is more of a team defender, secondary defender in this one, and he steps up offensively, getting his his buckets in transition, getting those open threes and making them. So uh, just what you need from a role player, he continues to be excellent. Four of the Suns, five starters tonight in double figures, just really, really huge. I want to give a quick shout out to the bench as well. Campaign and Cam Johnson in particular combined, combined to go 10 of 17 from the floor, 5 of 10 from deep. 25 points together. Those two guys have been huge the past week or so for the Suns. And if they can continue to shoot and create offense like they have, I think that'll help you feel really good about the 15 or so minutes that they're going to need to buy you. So another good game from them. The Bucks bench did not play very well, aside from Pat Connaughton hitting some threes. Bobby Portis has that bad foul on Ayton. Jeff Teague, just not really somebody that I'm all that worried about. 
And uh, so really, besides the shooting, the Bucks completely took it to uh, the Suns really took it to the Bucks when the starters were not in the game. Now, it was a very high scoring um, game and a very high minutes game for the starters. But, you know, winning those moments is going to be huge. But that brings us to the end of the game, to the point in time where, you know, we saw plays get drawn up. We saw execution have to happen. You heard it from Monty Williams at the beginning. Not everything worked. It's obvious. You look at how they even got to needing overtime in the first place, and it's obvious that things did not work out, right? The Suns had the lead a couple times in that fourth quarter. They got the tie when Mikhail Bridges hit a three, and they didn't They didn't win it, right? So that's clear. But a couple things. First of all, I just want to highlight, Devin Booker is th- shooting 38% from the field in the fourth quarter during the season. So I'm not saying I'm worried. Again, it doesn't matter to me if it's ugly, if the end result is a W, but it's something worth keeping track of because we've seen a lot of moments now where they haven't been able to get Booker the ball in a a position to succeed or Chris Paul for that matter. And whether it was that Jazz game or the Bucks game, you know, I think they out executed and and played hard and and did what it took to win. But, you know, the NBA is a, a game of bounces and you could say the Suns got pretty lucky that that they were able to execute pretty poorly to close out regulation against Milwaukee and Utah and yet come away with victories in both games. So I think that's worth noting. And I think it's also worth noting just to end here, maybe on a little bit of a negative note. No, I'll, I'll cheer things up before the end. But I wanted to, to say this because I know a lot of fans were talking about it on Twitter. Monty Williams in these games is... Deserves some some criticism as well. Uh, you you need to have better stuff in those situations. He explained it by saying, you know, Drew Holiday is just a pain in the ass basically to deal with in the end of games like that because he's not going to give up what you want to give up, right? But, okay, but you know that, right? Like, Monty can say that to us post game and, and how he knows it's such a pain. Yet, well, then why did you draw a play up where, where you were counting on Drew Holiday giving up something you didn't think he would, right? So I think more quick-hitting stuff at the end of these games is what you need. We saw it with the Dallas game. I'm not saying it'll work that well every time, but something where Chris or or Booker are coming off of a screen, are in space, are able to make a quick decision to either, you know, shoot quickly or drive, or if there's enough time to, you know, draw the defense and then pass it, whatever that may be. But we're seeing too many where, They're just trying to get a mismatch and an ISO, and that'll work sometimes. You want to have the ability to do that. We know Devin Booker can, but the fact that that seems to be plan A so often, I think could really bite the Suns uh, come playoff time. So I hope we see a little more of that play at the end of the Mavs game that Chris Paul told us was a a J.J. Redick favorite, uh, and less of this, you know, inbound it, take your time, ISO, you know, kind of inefficient pull-up shot. That can win you some games, of course, when you have this level of superstar duo on your team, but make it easier. It shouldn't be so hard, right? It doesn't have to be so hard every time, and we might not even be talking about overtime. We might not be talking about Devin Booker having to play 44 minutes, if not for some better execution late. So uh, Monty and Booker both, I hope as we get through this, this East Coast trip, the Clippers and Jazz games to end April, these benchmark moments. I hope we see some better shining remember uh, memories from this stretch of games in the fourth quarter from those two in particular. But 
that's a, that's, that's a small nitpick because, again, the Suns are winning these games. They're proving that they can do so in a variety of ways. They're marching up the standings. They are oh so close to the number one seed in the West. Yes, Utah did blow out the Lakers tonight, but I would not count on that continuing as the Suns uh, play this well and the Utah Jazz try to make sense of what their team is without Donovan Mitchell. Uh, this was a huge win, one that the Suns could have counted on losing. Winning this one sets them off on the right course in this road trip. So I will be back with you guys first thing after the buzzer on Wednesday night after the Suns take on the Sixers to give you what you need to know. And we'll be back on Tuesday or on Wednesday with a fun show as well. I won't break it to you yet. You can follow at Locked On PHX Suns. I'll tweet to you what I'm thinking. It involves a little look back on if this is a new era for the Suns. I have a special guest to talk with me about that. So look out for that show on Wednesday morning. Until then, guys, enjoy this win. Maybe rewatch it. Maybe talk about it with your friends. It's fun to enjoy Suns basketball again. And uh, look, these, these games are just as fun for me as they are for you. I hope you're savoring it. Enjoy your Tuesday. And let's keep this road trip rolling on Wednesday night.